Do you or someone you know struggle through life with anxiety-related mental disorders? Ever get that feeling that you are one of the few? I'm here to tell you that you are not alone. Take a journey with me as I talk about key points in my past and how they may have led to me being diagnosed with anxiety and panic disorder. After which, we will talk about different ways to tone down the anxiety and maybe even beat it together on anxiety. The easiest way to remember the name is by thinking about how one searches for a state of zen in the midst of the anxieties of life. My name is Gerald, and I'm the host of Anxiety. We're a podcast about two parents and their kid going on a quest for good shows. No, we're a podcast about two parents who are trapped in their own living room and we have to endure time and space. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Rich. I'm Natalie. And this is Not Suitable for Adults. Take 30 or 40 minutes out of your day to listen to us speak calmly and wisely to you about the best and the worst of kids' TV shows today. And movies. And movies. So join us as we sit in our living room and talk about the things we don't want to watch. And some things we do want to watch. Yeah, it's not all bad. Some of it's good. Some of it. Bye. Bye. MacGyver, SG-1, Chapter 12 The Eleventh Hour Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's what he said. Uh, oh. Cindy. I'm doing everything I can. Well... I yeah I have no idea okay General Hank Landry stepped in the open doorway of Jack's office exactly and quietly knocked on the yeah, door frame the same thing. he could see he was on the phone but wanted to announce his presence All right wish us luck Jack looked up and waved him in 
Once he hung up the phone, his attention was on Hank, who was taking a seat in front of him. That was Mac's wife. I had to give her the latest. Must be hard, not knowing for so long. Yeah. I gotta get down to the gate room and get to the address that guy in Maine gave us. The psychic? Yeah. So, Hank. What's up? Jack was getting up and putting on his off-world gear. Well, I've been thinking. I think I'm going to put in for a transfer to another base. Jack looked up from zipping up his flak jacket. What? Why? Hank rose from his chair. Well, Jack, I really don't think I'm needed here. I mean, come on. Since you've moved back to the SGC, you've been the base commander. I'm not really in charge, am I? Jack closed the distance between the two and placed his hand on Landry's shoulder. <sighs> Hank, I think you misunderstand. I may be here, but between flying to Washington and going off-world occasionally... I'm hardly the one who runs this place. I mean... I haven't contradicted any of your orders, have I? Well... No. And I don't see that happening. Trust me, Hank. You're needed. Please stay. General Landry looked down for a moment before a smile grew on his face. He felt appreciated and knew Jack was sincere. Okay, Jack. Good. Plus, Jack added, it was time to break in a new general. They both smirked. So, last chance for finding Mac, eh? Yeah. Any issues I should know? No. There was some unauthorized off-world activity while you were gone, but whatever it was bounced off the iris and eventually stopped. Jack nodded with understanding as he put his taupe baseball cap on. So, nothing out of the ordinary, then. The two men made their way into the adjoining conference room and down the spiral staircase into the control room where Jack confirmed that everything was a go with Sergeant Harriman. Giving one final glance down at the controls, Walter Harriman nodded back with a, Yes, sir. Good luck, sir. As Jack continued down the next set of steps with Hank close behind. 
As he walked through the gate room doors, Jack could see his team standing at the base of the ramp, waiting for the wormhole to connect. They all turned to him with uneasy smiles. They knew what this trip meant. You excited, Jack? Daniel broke the silence. Uh, nervous, actually. Jack answered as he adjusted his sleeve. From behind them, General Landry gave his support as best he could. Good luck, SG-1. We'll be ready for anything that comes back with you. Jack gave a reassuring nod as the wormhole connected. As the team stepped through the gate, they were greeted by... nothing. An area of dry dirt and sand stretched out about 20 feet past the DHD before the first blades of grass started. Then, the first trees that led to a thick forest. Other than the chirping sounds of birds from above and in the distance, they seemed to be alone. Each member of the team spread out with their weapons raised to scour the area. Tilk arched his brow. There appears to be no one here, O'Neill. Jack's face tightened. Yeah, we may be early. Smith said we witnessed someone coming through the gate from this side. Carter made her way over to the DHG and the others slowly followed. Anything? Jack said over his shoulder as he searched the tree line. No, sir. If anything, it looks like no one's been here for some time. There's no footprints, and the DHD even has a thin layer of dust on it. They stood quiet for a moment. Jack was getting nervous, and the others didn't know what to say. Suddenly, the gate started to spin, and the chevron started to glow. All SG members took cover and waited for whatever came through. Friend or foe. A moment after the wormhole connected, a bearded, shaggy-looking man ran from the blue rippling puddle and waited. He was dressed in raggedy, drab clothes, like one of the villagers SG-1 would see on many planets that were a few centuries behind their own. A large cannon-like weapon hung from a strap over his shoulder. 
Suddenly another villager came through. And another. The man with the cannon directed about 15 of them as they frantically ran through the gate. Each followed his hand signals and ran to the back of the gate. The bearded man was the last to leave the gate opening and join the rest behind the active gate. Jack and the rest of SG-1 stood up from their cover and started to make their way over to the group. When suddenly a group of Jaffa came running through, staff weapons open and noticing all members of SG-1. Ah, crap. Take cover! was all Jack can get out before he and the rest of the team scrambled to avoid the barrage of staff blasts coming their way. Right away, Teal'c and Carter took out the first Jaffa to come down the steps just as five more came through. Daniel jumped up and pressed the center of the DHD to shut down the gate and thereby stopping any others coming through. As the five remaining Jaffa closed in, Jack took out one while Teal'c took out the other. Carter noticed the bearded man rise up from behind the gate and aim his cannon up on his shoulder towards the remaining Jaffa. With a click and a whirl, a large purple arc of energy was released and threw the remaining three Jaffa 20 feet into the air, knocking them unconscious towards the tree line. After a moment of silence, the rest of the villagers stood up and relaxed. As the dust settled, Jack made his way towards the group and suddenly realized who the bearded man was. Mac? Jack! A look of relief fell over the two brothers as they quickly closed the gap between them. As a military leader, Jack was always encouraged to resist showing emotion to others to stay strong and sure, stoic. None of that mattered now. He found his brother and embraced him without hesitation. Carter, Daniel, and Tilk lowered their weapons and walked towards the two as well. Well, it's about time, Mac half teased as he pulled away to look at his twin. O'Neill smiled and looked for a response as Carter started the line of hugs from each of his teammates. Even Tilk embraced Mac beyond the typical arm lock and slight bow of the head. Carter was proud to brag about her husband and CO, even if it may embarrass him a little. You have no idea what Jack went through to find you. Daniel was next to chime in. Oh, he was a wreck. He spent every waking moment trying to figure out where you could be. <laughs> he was most distraught, MacGyver. Jack had kept his head down, trying to hide his emotion or perhaps his embarrassment. Okay, that's enough of that. As they talked... Carter noticed a few of the villagers hog-tying the unconscious Jaffa with some of the rope and belts that made up their outfits. She suspected Mac had something to do with that. Mac gestured to one of the older members of the group. Guys, I'd like you to meet Keenick. 
He and his people have been giving me shelter while I found a way to get home. Teal'c bowed towards the white-haired man as the other three shook his hand. Thank you for that, Jack made sure to say before turning his full attention to Mac. He had to know what they were all wondering. So, where have you been? Where haven't I been? Once those guys on the Lucian Alliance took off in that ship, I was stuck. I hid and figured I could eventually knock them out and turn the ship around. At some point, though, they docked a bigger ship and entered hyperdrive or light speed or whatever you call it. Daniel smirked. Carter started to eye Mac's weapon now that she could get a better look. Mac saw her and slid it off his shoulder and handed it over so she can examine it while he continued. Once I was on the larger ship, I spent a lot of time hiding and trying to learn as much as I could about their agenda. And how to sabotage the ship. Eventually I was caught, and they weren't too happy with me. Or the guys who brought me to them. They put me in a cage and executed two of the pilots. Jack interrupted. How many people did you see? I guess around 20? Just enough to pilot the big ship. I assume they had other scout ships out to get intel and the one we saw was one of them. Jack nodded in understanding. Good to know. Well, there's a bigger problem. The leader of the Lucian ship was talking to someone. I think he's taking orders from a Gould. Jack and Daniel exchanged a confused look as Teal'c spoke up from behind them. There are no system lords left in our galaxy. Most of the free Jaffa remain free. Well, there seems to be a growing group of those who prefer to remain less than free. I'm pretty sure it's a Gould who wasn't so powerful, but is now looking to fill the void left by Ball and the rest. The group paused to contemplate what that could mean going forward, before Daniel asked, So... How did you escape? Well, they only patted me down for weapons, so they missed my Swiss Army knife. Once I short-circuited the system, I rigged the ship to lose power and took off in a smaller ship. Most of the crew scrambled to fix the ship, so I only had to take out a few guys before getting out of there. So... Why not come back home? Jack was confused. Two reasons. Uh, I had no idea where I was, and I got shot down. The team looked, waiting for more detail. My guess is they had a couple gliders in the vicinity and got the radios working quicker than I planned. I don't know how to pilot that ship as much as I'd like to, and 
I couldn't cloak it in time. Once I was clipped, I crash-landed on Keenix planet. Since then, I've been trying to find a way home and causing some trouble along the way. Jack smirked, imagining his version of causing trouble. Yeah, we heard rumors of someone who was destroying ghoul bases and couldn't be held captive. That would be him, all right. Keenick put his arm around Mac. Not only did he disrupt the Lucian Alliance and the Gould, he helped our people become more self-reliant and become a force to resist anyone who tried to enslave us. The group behind him shouted a battle cry in unity in MacGyver's honor. That's great, Jack said with a smile despite his sarcastic tone at all the yelling. Once I got near a Stargate, I tried to send a message through since I knew the iris would be closed. Jack's eyes narrowed. How? Morse code. I rigged up a device to throw rocks through at a certain pattern. Thought it would work. Jack looked at Carter with some embarrassment. Yeah, it worked. We just weren't sharp enough to understand what you were doing. I wasn't there, and no one in the control room thought it was anything but unwanted guests. I'd like to think we would have figured it out eventually. Carter sheepishly added. Mac gave her a reassuring smile before she changed the topic. This cannon. Is it a force field emitter? Mac shook his head. Yeah. Uh, one of the times I was sneaking around a ghoul ship, I was able to dismantle one of the force fields that they use as a cage, and with a couple other ghoul devices, I converted it to shoot out concussive blasts. Jack continued to smirk as he shook his head. So proud, even if he didn't understand it. Carter just kept looking over the device in awe. All attention was turned towards the Jaffa as they started to stir. Max signaled for the villagers to stay as he and SG-1 walked over to the three Jaffa. Teal'c lifted one up and allowed him to sit up on his knees. They each wore the mark of Ball on their foreheads. A look of disgust grew on his face as he recognized Teal'c as the former first prime of Apophis. Shova. Yeah, yeah, save it. Jack had heard it all before. Who do you serve, Jaffa? Teal'c took the lead, hoping his former status would help intimidate if it couldn't gain respect. One you will know all too well. Do you not desire freedom with your brothers and sisters on Takara? Teal'c was referring to the planet where the free Jaffa were now based. 
The anger grew on their prisoners at the mention of it. We have no desire to return to the ruins of such a fragile planet. Since your involvement, it has seen nothing but shame and destruction. In a few short years, the planet held sacred for the Jaffa had been attacked and ravaged by replicators, ancients, Ori, and even the Gould. You are wrong, brother. The Free Jaffa Nation is strong and resilient. We are rebuilding as we speak. Join us and be free. Jack figured he was wasting his breath. But like his brother, admired the effort to avoid more bloodshed. Your entire nation is nothing compared to the strength of my new master. Jack was growing impatient. And that would be... The Jaffa soldier defiantly smirked. Montu. Jack looked back at the others. Anyone? Montu? Daniel looked puzzled but tried to answer. Uh, Montu was one of Ra's servants and later served under Ball. He was nothing to worry about. Many believed he died. They all turned back to their captive. My lord has since found a new, more compatible host. One of equal will and desire. He has already gathered many to his cause and combined the armies of his former enemies. I'm sure they are on their way to dispense of you. Jack smirked. Well, we don't really plan on sticking around long enough to greet anyone today, so you don't understand, Tari. Many of his forces have already infiltrated your feeble planet. Mac and Jack exchanged a look, stunned at what that could mean. The Jaffa before them smirked, then let out a sinister laugh. A short time later, Colonel Carter was the first to step out of the gate back at the SGC. She gave the heads up that the refugees were next and that the armed forces in the gate room could lower their weapons. After the last one came through, they were followed by Daniel and Tilk. After a moment and with all eyes on them, Jack walked through with his arm around his brother, and a smile on his face. MacGyver looked worse for wear and in need of a shower and a shave, but none of that mattered to him. He was home. The room erupted in applause as the gate closed behind them. Even General Landry and the technicians were standing and taking part from the control room. 
SG-1 had decided to leave the Jaffa behind since they couldn't risk having them on Earth. A couple of the villagers carried the weapons of the Jaffa soldiers they were escaping from. Mac was glad they were left alive, but Jack zat at them unconscious so they wouldn't see the gate address as they left. It was one thing not to kill them, but they weren't about to let them keep their weapons either. Amid the celebration, Mac tightened his arm around Jack. He never stopped looking for him. Thanks, Jack. The words almost stuck in his throat. The moment overwhelmed Jack as he looked down and nodded before managing to whisper, You bet. It was a long overdue moment. One they needed to cherish. If Montu had forces already on Earth, things were about to get a lot darker. For everyone. The MacGyver SG-1 audio series is written, performed, and edited by Mac Jackson. Theme song by Brian Brzezowski. Find us on the Forever Adventure Network. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon under Mac Jackson. Reviews can be left on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Forever Adventure Network. Join today. This show is dedicated to Richard Dean Anderson and everyone that's part of the MacGyver and Stargate families. Thanks for joining the adventure. The Forever Adventure Network. Welcome to the adventure. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure.